Good morning, Crosspoint Christian Church. This is Pastor Bruce coming to you live from, of all places, our church library. This is historic times in my 41-year history with the Whittier Church. Uh, I've never preached a live streaming broadcast, nor have I done it from our church library. So you are a part of it. We're glad to have you with us and of course, you know the reasons behind this, sort of as a precaution. Uh, we have been told by the authorities that we should not meet in large gatherings, and uh, our leadership has taken that seriously. And uh, we want to reduce the exposure to the coronavirus, also called COVID-19. Now, I had planned a, uh, another series, another service, another message really for this Sunday to kind of go along with our Sunday night series called Love, Conflict, and Intimacy. But since that's been put on hold as well, I thought what we'd do today is talk about God. Talk about God being in control. If you, if you want to give a title to this message, we can just call it Controlling the Uncontrollable. And so, uh, we don't have a PowerPoint this week. We're working on that. So you might want to get your Bibles out and turn with me to Mark chapter 4. We're going to look at four uncontrollable things. We're going to look at Jesus being in control of an uncontrollable sea. We're going to see Jesus being in control of an uncontrollable man. We're going to see Jesus being in control of an uncontrollable illness. And then finally, controlling the most uncontrollable thing. Have you ever felt like the events and circumstances of life have been out of control? Some of you are saying, Bruce, are you kidding me? That's the way it seems to me right now. Have you seen the lines at Costco? Yes, I have. Have I experienced them? No. Luckily, we've had some supplies and we were kind of earthquake ready. But you know what? I feel for those that are anxious. I feel for those that are not prepared. And, and, and I'm feeling and I'm hurting with some of you today. But I want to bring some peace. I want to bring some calm. And I want to bring some reality of God being in control even when life seems out of control. And that's not just preacher talk. I'm going to be getting this from the Bible, from the Word of God. Um, Anybody can live in smooth waters. But we're going to find out that if Jesus is in your boat, the seas don't have to be calm in order to be safe. And so let's take a look, number one, at an uncontrollable sea. We're looking at Mark chapter 4. Turn to your Bibles to Mark chapter 4. We'll start with verse 35, and we'll just kind of go right on through this text. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let's go to the other side. Now, when Jesus says, let's go to the other side, what does he mean by that? This is real deep. <laughs> it just means we're going to the other side. We're going to get into the boat. We're going to make it to the other side. When Jesus declares something to be true, it is true. It, he doesn't say there won't be some rough seas along the way. He doesn't say that there will not be problems. He just says, we're going to make it to the other side. And folks, this is not heaven. This is earth. And on earth... We're going to have problems. We're going to have trials. We're going to have tribulations like coronavirus. But let not your hearts be troubled because Jesus says we're going to make it to the other side. The other side is heaven. If you're a child of God, that's, that's the victory. That's the other side. That's where we are headed. And so leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was. How was he? 
Jesus was tired. He had been preaching and teaching all day. Evening has now come. It's getting dark, and they hop in the boat. There were also other boats with him. Verse 37 says, a furious squall came up. I mean, this is like gigantor. Um, this is like a Lake Powell kind of a storm. They come up real suddenly, and they are furious, and they are frightening. It came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. That tells you the kind of peace that Jesus had. There's a, there's a clear conscience there. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? What a terrible thing to, to say to Jesus. Jesus has been with them for some time. He is taking care of them. And they're saying, don't you care? Have you ever said that to Jesus? Maybe right now you're going through a tough time financially, physically, or relationally. And you're looking up to heaven and you're saying, don't you care? And Jesus stretches his arms out and says, have you seen Calvary? Have you seen the cross? I care this much for you. And so he's in control of our lives and he's in control of the lives of these disciples who are wondering if Jesus cares. Of course he cares. He got up, he rebuked the wind, and he said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. I'd like to have been there to see that. Now, 60 seconds before he said, quiet, be still, I'm not so sure I wanted, would have wanted to have been there. But maybe for 10 seconds, just to see how furious that storm was, and then to see Jesus bring complete stillness and peace. I've been in chaotic situations where um, our lives were in danger. I was 12 years old coming home from Camp Tonda up at Big Bear Lake on a bus with about 60 other kids when something went terribly wrong on that bus. Now, I didn't realize the severity of what was going on at the time. And so as this bus was picking up more and more speed, uh, I stood up in the center aisle and pretended I was skateboarding down the mountain. Well, uh, the bus driver didn't like that very much, and he screamed, and everybody got uptight. I even got uptight. And every turn we came to, every curve we came to, you could hear the braking, you could hear the downshifting, you could hear the chattering of the tires. And it was quite hectic until the bus driver finally made it to the side and there was peace. And I was glad for having been through the experience. I later met up with that bus driver. 50 years later, just we had been to a mutual party of a, a man celebrating his 90th birthday party. We sat at the same table and we started talking about each other's lives. And I said, that was you? And the bus driver said, that was you standing up? He said, you kids had no idea how close we all came to dying that day. But I was glad for having had the experience because I knew it would make a good illustration one day. Preachers always are looking for illustrations. But then I was at peace. Now, did that show that God was in control? It certainly did. I'm still here. Bus driver, we met a few years back. He's still around. He's up in his 80s. You say, but Bruce, what if that bus had gone off the cliff without proving that God was out of control? No, absolutely not. It would have just proven that God was finished with me. My work on earth is done. And see, 
That's why Jesus can sleep in the midst of the storm. Jesus knew he wasn't going to die on a boat. Where was Jesus going to die, folks? On a cross. And so where's the safest place to be? Would be to be on that boat in the midst of the storm with Jesus. Because he's dying on a cross, not in a boat. We need to remember that. We need to remember that there will be storms in life. But if Jesus is in the boat, the waters don't have to be calm to be safe. Verse 40, he says to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Did you forget I was in the boat is really what he's saying. When we're afraid of the storms of life, what have we forgotten? We are forgotten that Jesus is in the boat. Jesus doesn't have to steal the storm for us to have peace. And so you know what I pray for on a daily basis is I pray, God, give me the ability to sleep with Jesus in the midst of the storm. Let the storm rage if the storm wants to rage because we live in a fallen world. But let me be at peace with Jesus. Verse 41, let me tell you something that really terrified him. It wasn't really the storm. It's what Jesus did in calming the storm. They said they were terrified, verse 41 says. And they asked each other, Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? I'll tell you who it is. It is God Almighty, the Lord God Almighty, the one that created the world, has the power to control the world. And so we have an uncontrollable sea. Next, I want you to see an uncontrollable man. Now, we're still in Mark. We're in chapter 5 and in verse 1. Let's just keep moving forward. They went across the lake to the region of the Gazarenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. Check this out. He just calmed the storm. It went from raging storm to oil slick. And now they find themselves in the dark at a graveyard. And a man who's demon-possessed meets them there. That's got to be a kind of a creepy, scary scenario. This man lived in the tombs. That was his home. And no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot but he tore the chains apart and he broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. I guarantee you, if 20 men went to subdue him and bind him with chains, 20 men came home hurting. No one can keep him under control anymore. Night and day and day and night among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. This was one uncontrollable, crazy, demon-possessed man. Verse 6, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and he fell at his knees, right in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Demons know their fate. They know who God is, and they know where they're going to end up. Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Verse 9, then Jesus asked him, what is your name? He says, my name's Legion. For we, notice we, plural, are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding on a nearby hillside. 
The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. I'm not exactly sure why demons don't want to be without a body. Evidently, when they're in the, the spirit form, they wander through waterless places. One verse uh, version of the Bible says, and I'm not sure all the, the implications of that, but I know they, they want to be in a body, and they would prefer pigs to nothing. And so verse 13, it says, Jesus gave them permission. And the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, note that, 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. The pigs didn't even want them. They committed suicide, if you will. Verse 14, those tending the pigs ran off and reported this to the town and the countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. So everyone's coming out. They're gathering. They heard the report. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man. What man? The man named Legion. The man who was demon-possessed. Still sitting there. Now he's clothed and he's in his right mind. And they are afraid. What makes them afraid? Well, the same thing that made the apostles afraid when Jesus said, Quiet, be still. They are in the presence of power. They are in, pre in the presence of the one who can control the uncontrollable. And that makes them afraid. Anybody that can control the uncontrollable is worth fearing. Now, the whole town comes out, and they all begin to rejoice, and they all became believers, and they all said to Jesus, Do to us what you did to him, right? Is that what they said? No, that's not right. You know what they said? They said, would you leave? Would you get out of here? Would you leave our region? See, they just lost 2,000 pigs. They took a financial hit. Their, their business, they're thinking, is about to go under. But they're missing the big picture. The big picture is this. They're standing before the man who can control the uncontrollable, and they're thinking about their business. But if they just turned their business over to the one who can control the uncontrollable, their business would never be out of control again. But they miss that. Not so unlike us. We miss that kind of thing all the time. Verse 18, as Jesus was getting into the boat, he says, Okay, you don't want me here? I'll leave. The man who had been demon-possessed, watch this, he begs to go with Jesus. And Jesus says, no, no, you go home to your family. You go tell the story where I'm not. I'll go tell the story where you're not. And then God will be glorified. But he says, go home to your family. I think that's interesting. I wonder what that had to have looked like. You can imagine going home, knocking on the door. The wife looks out the window and she says, kids, quit, quit. Get under the bed. Your father's home. And she opens the door a crack and she says, I thought I told you never to come back here, to leave us alone. And, and the man says, honey, it's me. I'm back. It's not the old me. I met Jesus. This is the new me. And she sees something in his eyes that lets her know that she's got her husband back. And I like to picture a wonderful uh, reuniting of a family and she lets him in and the kids and the wife and the father all rejoice because of what Jesus had done verse 20 so the man began to tell 
the story in the Decapolis, how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. Now, this is interesting. He just did what Jesus told him to do, go tell the story. And when you come back later to Mark chapters 7 and 8, you'll find thousands of men showing up to, to hear Jesus preach and teach the good news message. Where did those people come from? They came from the spreading of the word of this man who was formerly uh, infested by a legion of demons. He shared the word. He just did what we're told to do. God cleaned me up, and God sent me forth to tell the good news message. Hasn't God done something in your life that's worth telling others about? This man certainly did. So we got an uncontrollable sea. we got an uncontrollable man. But I want you to see that God can control illnesses. <laughs> I don't care if it's a coronavirus or an illness that this woman had. We're in Mark chapter 5, beginning, we'll start with verse 24, kind of get the context here. What you need to see is there was a synagogue ruler, his name is Jairus. He's got a daughter that has fallen ill. And he's come to Jesus, says, Jesus, would you, would you heal my daughter, take care of her? And Jesus says, sure. So he starts going toward Jairus' house, and then this event takes place on the way. So Jesus went with him. That's Jairus. A large crowd followed him and pressed all around him. You got people. Jesus had an entourage. Everyone wanted to get close to Jesus. There's another pressing in. They're touching him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding, watch this, for 12 years. Now, this is not 12 years of constant bleeding. It would come and it would go. It would come and it would go. But it never went away. And she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors. Uh, I don't know if the doctors abused her or not. I like to think not. I tend to think that, that maybe sometimes doctors do all that they can do. But it's just not enough. I mean, by the way, they do call it the practice of medicine. And um, we had a real sick son growing up. And, and one doctor told us, what we do is more of an art than it is a science sometimes. And so it, maybe they did all that they could do. But she's at the point where she spent all her money. And, and instead of getting better, she's actually gotten worse. And she has but one hope. She's heard about Jesus. She's heard about Jesus. Verse 27 says, She came up behind him in the crowd and touched the cloak of his garment. Because she thought, I love this in her, if I but touch the hem of his garment, if I touch his clothes, that will be enough to heal me. I love this woman's faith. I love her spirit. Uh, you know, this, Jesus is busy. He probably doesn't have the time for me. But if I just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be well. And he can go on his way and go and do his thing. Verse 29, she reaches out, she touches it, and immediately her bleeding stopped. And she felt in her body that she had been freed from her suffering. Imagine that, folks. Twelve years with this. 12 years, bleeding on and off and on and off, and finally it's gone. Have you ever had a fever where um, maybe it's spiked and then it breaks and you feel a little bit of relief? Uh, but you know it's coming back. And then the fever goes up again and it spikes and it peaks and then it breaks and you feel better for just a short respite. And then maybe that third time it spikes, it peaks, and it breaks, but this time you know, you know what, it's gone. And it's not coming back. That's what this woman feels. 
She touches the hem of Jesus' garment. But what she doesn't feel is power leaving Jesus. She feels wholeness. She feels healing. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out of him. Verse 30. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched me? You can just imagine the disciples say, What are you talking about, Jesus? What do you mean, who touched you? I mean, there's people all around touching you. No, he's saying, Who touched me with faith? A lot of people touching Jesus, only one touch with faith. And this woman got what she was coming for. She felt healing. Jesus felt power leaving. Nobody's ever healed. Nobody's ever forgiving without it costing Jesus something. Now maybe today you've come to listen to a message. Or maybe you've come to touch Jesus. That's what I'm hoping for. It makes a big difference because a lot of people touched Jesus that day. But only one got healed. She touched Jesus with faith. Verse 32, But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. In other words, he's seeking her out. Then verse 33 says, The woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. Lord, here's what I had. Here's what I did. And I knew you'd have the answer. In verse 34, I love this. He said to her, Daughter, isn't that beautiful? Your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. So we've got an uncontrollable sea, an uncontrollable man, an uncontrollable illness. Can you relate? But there's one more thing. The most uncontrollable thing of all. The thing that men and women fear. Death. Did you know Jesus controls death? Verse 21. We're in Mark chapter 5. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus, we'd mentioned him earlier, came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet, and he pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. She's not dead yet, but she's on her way out, Lord. Please do something. Come put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. I want my little girl to live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. They want to see this too. Verse 35, when, While Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead. They have an announcement. It's too late. She's died. Why bother the teacher anymore. They believe that Jesus' limit has been reached. Yeah, he may have calmed to see. Yes, he may have driven a demon out of a demon-possessed man. And yes, he may have healed uh, a terrible illness. But death, uh, that's just too much for Jesus. So they thought. No, Jesus controls even death. I love this, verse 36. Ignoring what they said, 
Sometimes that's what you got to do with unbelievers. Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. Show some faith, show some courage, show some trust. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother James. When they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a great commotion taking place. I mean, there's people weeping and crying and mourning at the death of this little girl. And they were wailing loudly, the Bible says. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion? Why all this wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they all laughed at him. Again, another group of unbelievers. People will mock. People will laugh. And so what's Jesus do? He put them all out. I would like to see how he did that. I don't know. There's something about a man of God and the power that they possess, but by just one word, out, and you know to leave. He took the child's father and the mother and the disciples who were with him, and they went in where the child was. Verse 41 says, He took her by the hand and he said to her, Talalath kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. What did he say to a raging sea? Sit down. He says to a little girl, get up. Just the opposite. Immediately, I love the way that Mark puts that. Immediately, the girl stood up and walked around, and she was 12 years old. Mm, I can relate. I was 12 years old on a bus that almost went off a cliff. God wasn't done with me. God wasn't done with this little girl. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this, and he told them to give her something to eat. What's that all about? Was she hungry? I don't know, probably not. But this is such a shock to the system. He's trying to prove to them that she really was dead, and she is alive. The, the autonomic nervous system's going, the respiratory nervous system's going, and let's get the digestive system going. Give her something to eat, and when they see an empty plate, they'll realize that this is is real. What is it that God can't control? If he can control the most uncontrollable thing. Let me tell you something, friends. The coronavirus has nothing on my Jesus. Jesus controls any kind of sickness, any kind of disease, and the worst one of all is your sin problem. We got problems on this earth. I don't care how big your problem is. If your sin problem hasn't been solved, then that's your biggest problem of all. And Jesus says, I can handle even that. Now, God doesn't want his kids being fearful. He loves us. He is going to care for us. Paul told the young preacher Timothy, he said, um, that God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power, discipline, and love. And so fear not. Jesus is the first and the last. He's the living one. He was dead, but he's alive forevermore, and he will come again because he holds the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray to that Jesus. What is it in your life that is out of control? Where do you need a healing? Would you reach out in faith and touch the hem of his garment this morning 
and ask him to heal you. And if you've never named Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've never repented of your sins, if you've never trusted Jesus alone for your salvation, if you never put him on in baptism, you need to do that. I would encourage you to put your trust in the one who can control the uncontrollable. In Jesus' name, amen. And now, may the Lord richly bless you and Jesus give you all kinds of peace in believing. Have a good day, Crosspoint.